Sitting in his lab, Marion D. Ford entered a numerical password and watched a hooded man execute three hostages with a ruby-handled knife. Different victims, different locations, and months apart, but always the same knife, never pausing to sharpen the blade. How could that be? The video had been edited by a pro, that's how. The knife was of interest. He zoomed in. It had a curved blade like an antique sword, with a single ruby embedded in the hilt. On the pommel was a crowned triangle of silver, the symbol of Persian assassins from the time of the Crusades. Ford opened a second link, entered a series of codes, and this time watched raw footage of the first two executions. This video wasn't available to networks or politicos, possibly not even the White House, but Ford wasn't sure about that. He concentrated on the man wielding the knife. He was tall, with corded forearms, but not muscular, his technique honed by video games and religious fantasies. He was a Muslim convert via Chicago, no name provided. An egomaniac, Ford thought, who played to the cameras but revealed himself in scenes that would be omitted, one where he used a cleaver. Another, an adolescent yowl when he lofted his trophy, a severed head. Weird, the sound he made. A wild warble produced with a fluttering tongue like crows trapped in a cave. There were two cameras from different angles, video rolling throughout. The third video was different. The cameras had been paused several times, yet their POV remained unchanged. The scenes were choppy and sometimes blurry, which wasn't typical of raw footage. That struck Ford as odd. Digital cameras had autofocus. The hostage behaved differently, too. He was an aging Caucasian male, professorial-looking, who had to be dragged to the chopping block, unlike the others, who had shown no fear. Why? Ford hadn't been supplied with his name, either. That would come later, or wouldn't. It wasn't his job to care. He opened a notebook, pocket-sized, and wrote, in ciphered shorthand, victims number one and number two believed they were participating in a rehearsal. He erased and revised, believed they were participating in another rehearsal, then paused to reflect before adding, victim number three might not be dead. He made more notes while he watched the footage again. The link was time-sensitive. When the screen went blank, he rebooted his computer, a security precaution, before exiting the room, which contained rows of lighted aquariums, a microscope, shelves of beakers and chemicals, and on the counter, a cylindrical plexiglass tank in which a dozen sea jellies pulsed. It was a moonless night on Sanibel Island, Florida, and breezy on this first eve in December a good place to stand on the deck of a house built on stilts and piss over the railing into the water, a glittering stream that connected him briefly with the bay, ten feet below. Back at his desk, he sent an encrypted message that read, When?'